Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for the servants of Christ. I'm Andrew Cook. It's lovely to be with you again. The Holy Spirit's work, the Christian Basics series, continues. So far, in our look at the Bible's teaching about the Holy Spirit in our Christian Basics series, we've learnt some very precious things. The Holy Spirit is a real person, one who's been called alongside the believer to help us. We've seen also that he is God, and therefore to be revered, honoured, loved and submitted to. We've also seen how intimately his work is connected to the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he accomplished for the salvation of sinners. It's the Spirit's particular work to apply the salvation Christ obtained to the believer's heart and life. Last time, Dr John Hall showed us how the Holy Spirit was given in all his fullness on the day of Pentecost and how every believer is now indwelt by him. Our position today is a much more privileged one than that of Old Testament believers because, although the Holy Spirit did work in their lives, he had not come in his fullness until Christ had ascended to heaven and he was poured out at Pentecost, as we read in Acts chapter 2. Well, here on Serving Today, we're going to see how the Holy Spirit is involved in bringing sinners into the kingdom of God and the help that we receive from him once that has happened. But before we come on to that, we need to deal with a problem that has perplexed many Christians and it arises from something Jesus said about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. So John Hall is going to begin with that. Let me first explain what the problem is. We've seen that Jesus promised his disciples they'd receive the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, After he rose from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, Jesus met with his disciples on a number of occasions. And on one of those, we read this in John chapter 20, beginning at verse 23. And he, that is Jesus, breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And the problem is this. If those disciples received the Holy Spirit when Jesus met with them, why was there the need to receive him again at Pentecost several weeks later? Derek French spoke with John Hall for us and asked if he could shed any light on this difficulty for us. Here's a simple answer. Just before this passage in John 20, Jesus had said, that he was sending out these disciples just as the Father had sent him. What an awesome, crushing commission to give to those disciples as they had seen the terrible suffering of the Lord Jesus. Mm. And so in order to encourage the disciples, he breathed and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It was a transitional encouragement for them. In other words, they were between the times. They needed encouragement and the Holy Spirit is the encourager. And in order to encourage them and to sustain them until the time came when they they would be really filled with the Holy Spirit in fulfilment of the promise, he breathed to give them an indication of the coming Holy Spirit. 
symbolic also of what was to come in all its fullness at Pentecost, but real enough to support them for those 50 days until Pentecost came. Mm. Oh, thanks, John. It's like a sort of a, a temporary encouragement, really. A bit. temporary encouragement. Yeah, that's yes. very helpful. Thank you very much indeed. John, can we then look at the Holy Spirit's work in bringing people into the kingdom of God? Yes, Derek. Our greatest need as human beings, as sinners, is to have a new heart. In other words, to be Christians, to be made alive, to be born again. So let's turn again to that great passage of scripture, John 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 8 now. Let's go through these verses together. Turn to that passage in your own Bible and look at it. You remember the story. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a serious religious man, a leader in Judaism coming to see Jesus. He might have expected a theological dialogue on a level with Jesus. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. He was very respectful, you see, towards the Lord Jesus. He did see him as coming from God. Yet look what Jesus says about him. What does he need? Would you have said he was a true Christian in the Old Testament sense? You might well have thought that. But Jesus gets straight to the point and says this. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, Nicodemus doesn't understand that. He says, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. You see, he's taking it not at a spiritual level, but at a physical level. Well, so Jesus explains further. I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. You can't see it unless you're born again. You can't enter it unless you're born of the Spirit. And then he goes on to say what it means to be born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. He goes on, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it will be with everyone born of the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's sovereign work, you see, to come to a sinner and cause him to be born again. He must do the work. Without it, a person cannot see, not even see the spiritual truth, let alone enter the kingdom. But if he does do the work, he gives life, and that person sees the truth of God, sees Christ, and rushes to enter the kingdom by repenting and believing in Jesus. Also, at the beginning of the Christian life, the Bible says the Holy Spirit does two more things. He unites us to Christ, so we are made alive with him. And Derek's going to read to us now from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For we were all baptised by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. The one body there, if you read in 1 Corinthians 12, is Christ. So you were baptised, you were united, you were immersed in Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also seals us to show that we are truly 
gods, that we belong to him and that we're securely gods. And he does that for all believers. And Derek's going to read for us now from Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And Paul writes, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. You see, believing and sealing go together. He puts believing first because that's what happens in your life. But when you believe, then you're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And he is a down payment, part of the glorious inheritance which is to come. He gives you a foretaste of heaven and secures you for heaven. Paul tells us too in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5 that the Holy Spirit enables us to understand gospel preaching. John, what else do we need to understand about the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer? We've seen so far that the Holy Spirit causes us to be born again, that he unites us to Christ, that he seals us for Christ. And now we're looking at the fact that he opens our eyes to understand the word of God and all the richness that God gives us in Christ. And Derek's going to read to us now from 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. Again, this is Paul who's writing, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So the Holy Spirit gives faith and the ability to come to Christ. He goes on in verse 9 of the same chapter. However, it is written, No eye has seen or ear has heard No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. And then he goes on to say, Believers have received the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Now that's very, very exciting, that we should understand the glories of our salvation freely given to us in Christ. I wonder whether you've really understood that. If you haven't, then cry out that God, the God who has mercy on sinners, that he would open your eyes to see the glory of Christ and bring you to this Lord Jesus. God's grace is truly remarkable and his generosity, his kindness and his mercy are lavish when we consider what he does for helpless lost sinners. Not only has he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to atone for our sins through his death on the cross, but he has sent his Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we could come to trust in Jesus for ourselves. The devastating effects of sin meant that before we came to know Jesus as our Saviour, we were in a hopeless and desperate condition. The Bible teaches us we were spiritually lifeless. We were spiritually blind so we could not see our need of Jesus and his wonderful salvation. We were spiritually deaf so could not hear the voice of Jesus calling us to follow him. And perhaps most damaging of all, we were spiritually dead and devoid of any spiritual life or ability to change our lost condition. God would have been just if he had left us in that condition to perish in our sins, but praise him, he looked on us with great pity and poured out his grace upon us. 
He sent his Holy Spirit to work in our lives. It is the Holy Spirit who has brought spiritual life to our hearts by causing us to be born again. It was the Holy Spirit who opened our blind eyes to see our great need of a Saviour and opened our ears so we could hear him calling us to follow him. It was the Holy Spirit who convinced us of our sinfulness and immense need for the forgiveness that only Jesus can give. And it was the Holy Spirit who enabled us to come to God in repentance and place our faith in his dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and now we belong to him forever. Never again to be lost, but secure in his loving kindness so that we will never perish. It is truly wonderful what God has done for us. And these are truths that are so important for all believers to understand, especially those who are new to the faith. And we as church leaders have the privilege and responsibility to teach them these precious truths. May God help us to do this faithfully and may he thrill our own hearts afresh as we are reminded that this is not something the Holy Spirit has done only for the new believers we are teaching, but he has also done this same work in our own hearts. He is worthy of so much praise. May he help us to do that for his glory. And that brings to an end this edition of Serving Today. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye and may God bless you. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can now send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>